0: welcome to episode 698 of the from page to screen movie podcast 698 episodes oh my god who the heck would have thought that i'd still be doing this after 698 episodes i certainly didn't i think i'm i'm on about 692 episodes more than i ever thought i would do um Some people have said, oh, well done, you're you're doing well. And I'm like, no, I'm just stubborn. I have nothing else to do other than watch movies and then talk about movies to people. Uh, Plus, with doing this podcast, I get to talk to awesome people, which is what you're going to get in episode 698. I'm recording this little intro just to give you a bit of backstory on episode 698. So this podcast has been running for many, many years, as a lot of you will know. Uh, Clearly I haven't done 690 episodes in six months, that would just be fucking mental. And so around 2014 I was living in Northampton, which is about an hour's travel from uh, north of London. And so being a little bit closer to London than I am now, now I'm currently about four hours north. And a damn sight more expensive train ticket if I chose to go to London. I was uh, able to do some more sort of press junkets and interviews and stuff. Now, one of the first ones I ever did, in fact, I think it was the first one I ever did, was with Mark Morris and Jake West. Now, they were putting together this second part of a Video Nasties documentary sort of series that they'd done. The second one being Video Nasties: Draconian Days, which was all about the Video Nasty world, uh, mainly in the UK so draconian days was a near 100 minute documentary i wish it was longer to be fair and it covered the sort of vhs video nasty era from 1984 to 1999 so it was all the i spit on your graves and thriller killers and evil deads and nightmare and damaged brains and all this sort of stuff now jake west was the director of this documentary and he and mark morris were putting it together and I was uh, given the chance to sit down with them and have a conversation with them. So it lasted, I think, I think like 20 minutes or something like that. I think it wasn't a lengthy one. Uh, I will possibly, I will try and dig out that conversation that I had with them. And if I am successful finding it, I will stick it on the end of this episode. But uh, it was many, many years ago and it was originally uploaded, but unfortunately not all podcasts that I did are online due to a server issue many, many years ago at Talkshoe. Anyway, so I sat down face-to-face with Jake West and Mark Morris, and we had a good old chat. We're we're all similar ages, and so we had a good old uh, memory lane trip about the era of video stores and video nasties and what it was like to walk around video shops as a kid and anybody who's listened to... Uh, some of the more recent podcasts I've done will hear me touching upon this video shot project that I do want to do at some point. And so, uh, yeah, Jake West will fit into that somewhere. So this week, uh, we're jumping back to 2023. Um, I had the chance to sit down with Jake West virtually and have a conversation about another project. ...that he has completed. Now, just a bit of history about myself and Jake West. So, we had that conversation back in 2014 with myself, Jake and Mark Morris. And then over the years, Jake and I would just bump into each other at various events. I think at the end of 2014, we bumped into each other at uh, the Allies premiere. Jake West was involved in that film production as well. So, it's like, hey, Jake, how you doing? So, we had a quick old chat. Fast forward a few years later... Uh, Annette and I were at the Newcastle Film Festival, sort of hanging around with Abel Ferrara and Sean Pertwee and Craig Conway, and bing, there's Jake West. <laughs> Jake West pops up, it's like, hey, Jake, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So we had a quick catch up then. Uh, Jake also hosted a wonderful Doomsday, the Neil Marshall. Doomsday movie Q&A panel. I was very envious. I'm like, Jake, why are you stealing my hosting gigs? I host all interviews across the world. They're all mine. Bring them all to me. But no, it was wonderful uh, to watch Jake chat with the cast and crew of that film. I did video it, so it is on youtube.com slash from page to screen. But you'll hear more about my YouTube endeavors on, uh, on episode 699 of this podcast. And... uh So, yeah, Jake West's path crossed with mine at various points over the years. And so it was really nice to actually be able to sit down again the first time since 2014 and have a face-to-face conversation with Jake that was recorded. Now, Jake West has just completed uh, work on a documentary called Mancunian Man, The Legendary Life of Cliff Twemlow. Now, if you're not familiar with Cliff's name, Do not worry about it at all. I wasn't familiar with his name either, and that does come up in the conversation you're about to hear between myself and Jake West. If you are a fan of movies, and certainly the VHS era, and things that may be a little bit more obscure from the the late 70s to the, the 80s, then I would highly recommend when you do get the chance, check out the documentary Mancunian Man, The Legendary Life of Cliff Twemlow. I wasn't familiar with him when I started watching the documentary, but partway through when I saw a certain uh, video box art, I'm like, oh, that's Cliff. Now I am familiar with him, and it turns out I had been since I was a kid. I just didn't realise his name was Cliff. So yeah, enjoy the the conversation. It is about 15 minutes long, as it is with these sort of press junket type things, even if they're virtual, you are sort of set to a time limit. I really struggle on short time limits because, uh, you know, who knows how long this intro's even gone. This intro was originally planned to be about 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and I'm currently running about the seven minute mark, so you can imagine what it's like if I'm told, right, I've only got 15 minutes to sit down and speak with a wonderfully talented filmmaker like Jake West. Jake has done films like Doghouse and Razorblade Smile. He was part of the ABCs of death. He's done the Video nasties documentary, Uh, as I'd mentioned. He's done a lot. His filmography is pretty amazing. Uh, And regarding ABCs of death, it was the first one, and Jake did S is for Speed. So that's the one that Jake West did. Uh, so, without any further introduction, I'm going to play the theme song to the podcast, and then go straight into the conversation with Jake West, and then I'm going to go hunting for the very old conversation I had with himself and Mark Morris. So, wish me luck. I hope I do find it for you, because uh, I'm sure it's a treat. from page to screen.
1: To screen.
0: yes I, I am genuinely i mean i've not rehearsed this at all i just love speaking to jake west we have a habit of, we have a habit of bumping into each other at various events along the years um but you were actually my first ever filmy person that i interviewed which was yourself and mark back when you were doing draconian days the second volume wow. amazing oh, you, were, great. you were my first and now you're my most recent person spoken <laughs> to. Oh, we're saying
2: um, Speak to you, Stuart, as well. Yes,
0: I do. At some point, want to do a really long conversation with you. At some point, yeah. but we can work that out at some point because you. Yeah, no, of course.
2: Wait, we'll you, just just let us know when you want to do it,
0: and we can figure. Brilliant. It out. No, no, just kidding. Um, so my question is, you uh, why Cliff? Why Cliff to pick a subject on? Well, why not Cliff? Because- exactly, that's, that's the perfect well, answer. Well, but-
2: I, think, I think probably the reason why Cliff is because nobody else had done it, and it's a story that was begging to be told, but it's a story that most people weren't aware about. So when we were doing the Video Nasties, um, the, the second one, Draconian Days, section, the Section 3 one, um, we found out, obviously, that you know GBH was one of those Video Nasty titles. And at the time, we interviewed um, Chris... CP Lee, who was who had wrote the book, the the Lost World of Cliff Twemlow, and we were chatting all about him and Cliff, and he told us about all these other films that Cliff had done that we weren't even aware of. So you know, and if Mark Morris isn't aware of certain films, then you know that that hardly anyone might not be. So Mm -hmm. um, at the time, CP sent a few bits over, but a lot of those films were really hard to find to get. So that was our kind of like first kind of primer into the fact that Cliff had done more stuff than just. GBH Um, but then you know fast forward to three years ago David Gregory got in touch with me saying that they wanted to do a Cliff Twemlow documentary and release um, a bunch of his films in a a special kind of Severin style set which is what we're working towards and would I be interested in taking that on so I did and that started the this three-year journey and we're now at the the festival end of it, where we're screening it around the world and to to people, and we're just going on another UK leg of that. Um, you know, next week. And you've
0: got you've got uh, the the Cultplex premiere on the twelfth in Manchester. Yes, it's, right, yeah. it, it's got to be something special to show this documentary in Manchester as opposed to various other film festivals. Oh, of course,
2: yeah. I mean, it's, Cliff, it's Cliff's hometown, and we wanted to do something special for that. So Severin have hired Complex, and they're doing it as an event, and they've got we've got special guests coming along, and obviously it's going to be a, a fan, fantastic screening, and I'm sure I'm sure Cliff will hopefully be held as a returning hero, albeit he won't be there, <laughs> but spiritually, you know, he was the you know the awesome wells of, of Salford or Eccles, as people uh, <laughs> used to say. So we hope he gets a hero's return. On, that's the 12th of November. Apparently, there's only. Currently, three tickets left on sale, and then it's sold out. So if anyone wants to go, they better get in quickly. Get on the Coltplex website and book them now, but they're going to be gone very, very shortly. I, I'm
0: um, going gonna, gonna to make a confession. It will probably make me come across as a dumbass, but I'm okay. I don't mind ridiculing myself. I wasn't familiar with Cliff's name until I started seeing Mancunian man popping up um, yeah, but, you but, know, but, across... Yeah.
2: Sure. Not not at all. Pretty much everybody in the entire world is in the same boat as you were, because unless they know about GPH. I mean, did you had you ever heard of GPH? Well,
0: well, GPH. I, that was, that wasn't the confession. The fact that I wasn't familiar with Cliff's name. Okay. It, it, gets, it, it gets even better than that. I wasn't,
2: familiar,
0: <laughs> I, I wasn't familiar. with Cliff's name. Uh, I am familiar with your work. So you've done narrative films. You know, you've done e- Evil Aliens, and you've also done documentaries. So to sort of think that you would do one or the other is fine. So I don't. I don't class myself as a dumb for not knowing that but i was sitting watching mancunian man and cliff comes across as just like this larger than life crazy character who you think is he a real person is he real so i'm sitting <laughs> actually watching the documentary going is this like a spinal tap type thing because yeah, some well, of these we're, things we're, that we're, they're doing is
2: bonkers it's, it's funny you're you're not the person the first person to say that but, but because, <laughs> because because nobody's ever heard of him, they're thinking, "Hold on, are they having a song? Is this made up?" Yeah. But but if you look at <laughs> if you look at, I can't. One thing that I can't do is I can't recreate Manchester in the nineteen eighties, and I can't no. recreate. You, do you know what? You're talented enough that you probably yeah, could do, yeah. given, given the budget. See, you, can see that, you can see that Cliff clearly gets older over yeah. a 13-year period.
0: Of <laughs> so I'm watching it and I wasn't like, this is definitely so, a parody. So
2: but as, it... much as, as much as I would <laughs> want to say to people that I had I had an entirely kind of, you know, a bit like um, Peter Jackson's Forgotten Silver, I'd love to say <laughs> to people it's an entirely fictionalised and it is a, but it isn't. This is a true story of somebody that did genuinely exist. And, and it's so crazy you can't help but think mm at times this seems because yeah, you're absolutely right cliff is larger than life and yeah. that's also what makes this so compelling because he's yeah. one of the fascinating characters that you would almost think isn't possible to exist and that's why he's such a such a compelling yeah. subject for a so to answer your earlier question again that's exactly the reason why I wanted to make a documentary about him because he is this like fascinating character with a huge center of gravity around him and this strange little pocket universe of British cinema that <laughs> most people have never heard of. So that's that was it. <laughs> so I'm sitting there watching
0: it and I'm thinking is is this and I was I was 99% sure it was a you know genuine documentary because I know the way you work and I'm, again I'm thinking This would have to have a huge budget to be able to recreate these things. But I wasn't 100% sure until it got to the the, uh, box art of GBH. And I I mean, I'm one year older than you, so we we wandered around video stores at the same time. I wandered around them when they were in Scotland Uh And and as soon as I saw the box art for GBH, it just took me right back to the the early 80s, whatever it was. And I'm like, shit, I remember that box art. And that was the moment when I'm like, this is a genuine documentary, this cliff is bonkers. It all fell into place for you as being real. It was was that. (laughs) That was the one thing that cemented me. If it wasn't for the GBH box art, I would probably go, is that genuine? Is it a parody or something? Because it is, like you say, it's it's, so
2: compelling. It it does seem at times that Cliff... Is a made-up character because of all the different things he did—being a doorman, to a, to a bouncer, to being a novelist, to being a singer, to being a writer, to being an actor, a producer. You know, he wrote—he wrote two horror novels. He wrote an autobiography. He—you know—he—he he did many, many things in his life, and I think this is the interesting thing about him because he's like a kind—he's a working-class polymath. He's a—he's a guy that was never afraid of just going all in and um, just just taking on whatever he felt like doing, and I think that's also what's so admirable. admirable about Cliff and what's inspiring about him as a character.
0: What do you think he would make of the the documentary? Do you think he would sit there with a, a big drink and just go, do "You know what? I, you know, smile
2: and grin." And well, I imagine I, I imagine he would wish it didn't exist and that he was alive still. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah you, know, you know, you know what I mean. No, yeah, but, but, yeah, but if, if spectrally, he could watch it. Um, yeah, I would like to think that he would feel that we've done a a, a very good job of of actually piecing together all of the different bits of information. Mm. One of some of the best compliments I've had, we've had amazing reviews for it across the board, but some of the best compliments I've had from people that work with Cliff knew him who are in the documentary. And when they've watched it, They've said to me they've found out stuff about Cliff that they never knew about, and they said it's as close as getting to meet Cliff as you could possibly do. And um, so the people that know him and love him and care about him believe it's a very well rounded portrait, and it wasn't a portrait that wanted to just focus on all of the good things. It it it, it, it focuses <laughs> on a lot of the stuff that he he got wrong. And but I think when you see Cliff, you get this feeling he had. He's a guy with an immense sense of humour and a great sense of fun. So I think that he would hopefully be with his friends and believe that it it's a good bit of work. But it's one of those ones where unless you know, unless that you know, people do exist beyond death, we can't really find out the answer to that one. Yeah,
0: I, I firmly believe in the movie gods. So you know, fingers, Cliff, fingers crossed. It, not twice.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I think he does. <laughs> I think he
0: does. One <laughs> of the one of the tricky things with some documentaries, and it's not a, a it's a trick that you've very successfully done, is you can watch Mancunian Man whether you've heard of Cliff or whether you've not heard of Cliff. And you will still enjoy it for different reasons. Obviously, if you're familiar with Cliff, you'll learn a lot of things that you didn't know beforehand. If, like me, you were not familiar with him at all, you will still have a blast watching some of the crazy antics that that goes on in this documentary and some oh, of the, yeah, sto- I mean, the stories I, I, that are shared are just mind blowing.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the other comments I've had from a lot of people is because obviously they don't know who Cliff is. So some of them, that's a kind of sort of puts them off from maybe thinking, "Oh, I want to watch it." Mm. The fact is called Mancunian Man. It's about a Manchester filmmaker. Some people are a little bit put off by that, but when they've actually watched it, they've said, "Oh, all of the things that I was worried about, I didn't." So, but because we're not dealing with somebody who is like a a James Dean or a Jane Mansfield or a Marilyn Monroe, people will happily watch a hundred documentaries about those people. But the truth is, if they already know the beats of those stories. So the fascinating thing about if they do watch Mancunian Man, they're gonna find out something about British film that they had no idea existed. And I think that people just need to open up their adventurous souls and and just throw themselves in sometimes and not yeah. not be so worried about stuff. And you know, they're they're gonna find that they have more of an adventure sometimes by not knowing knowing the path. And I think that that's the thing about Cliff's work and his whole life was a bit like that. So I think that you know that's that's how I would encourage anyone who hasn't seen it. And if you're put off by film because there's a bloke who's a Man- Manchester oh, film, be a bit wrong on that. But I think they should give it a try.
0: I think I think if anybody who's got an interest in like the earlier days of movie making and the whole VHS era and video, if you miss video stores and that whole yeah. let's oh, and also if you've got an interest in people who wake up one morning and go, do you know what? I want to make a movie. I'm going to try and make films, and just watch the craziness of it all. Then Mancunian man is
2: yeah, definitely also, the way to also, go. Also, as also as a cultural document as well. If you, yeah. if if you're if you're only. Touchstone of, of, the, of what you think the 80s was like is is watching stuff like Stranger Things or all of these retro 80s stuff. If you want to see what the UK or Manchester was really like in the 1980s, this is fascinating as well. You can see the fashions, you can see what the people look like, and it's very different to this more romanticized view of the 80s that has been peddled by you can kind of Hollywood and kind of everyone trying to recreate this Spielbergian 80s. This yeah. was the way it's down and dirty and much funnier and more amusing than, than, and there, than and there, there
0: is And there is a a lot of video footage that you've used in there of video stores back in the time and i was just oh, yeah, you've got, you've got i was salivating over that stuff because it's like i used to <laughs> i used to wander around them but and there's not so much footage of those so it's like anytime they come up i'm like i'm scanning the box art and trying to you know <laughs> trying to relight my memory lane sort of lamps and stuff oh, and yeah, it, yeah. it I mean, definitely talking, did that
1: talking,
2: all of cliff's films take place in those periods so all of those clips and often with films which had never been fully finished or, you know, they have never got foot properly released. So you're getting a window back into a world which is gone. And I think that's really fascinating as well. If, you, if you're interested in what the world used to be like and you're seeing it in that, you know, it's kind of like it, because it's through the fuzzy lens of the, there is it, his shot stuff was shot on video, might apart from one film. But you get to, you get, you know, when you when I think of the eighties, I tend to think of it as a bit like an like a sort of VHS video feed. <laughs> <laughs> Adjust to tracking of our lives,
0: Jake. That's yeah. what we need to do sometimes. <laughs> so, well, what is the sort of journey for this? Obviously, you've you've been going around festivals and stuff. But will this come out on physical media? Long live physical yes. media, my add, By so, the way, I, I'm a huge yeah, fan we're, of we're that. Still,
2: we're still on the festival run, so we. Mm-hmm. we, we we premiered at Fright Fest. I think you came to that one. Didn't I
0: didn't. I've never been able to get to Fright oh, Fest okay, because
2: yeah. We premiered at Fright Fest, then Palliser Square. It was amazing. Um, one of the biggest, best cinemas in the world. Then we. Then I went to the States to um, Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Then on to Beyond Fest in Los Angeles. Then I was at the Sitges Film Festival. Incredible. All of those incredible. Back now in the UK. It played in Ireland at the Richard Harris Film Festival and the Horophon. and now the next big event is Manchester, which is on the 12th of November. So, if, like I so say, three tickets left, so get, get in quickly if you're watching this. It may okay. be gone by, but that's complex. Um, then we're on to um, the uh, Abattoir Festival in Wales, Aberystwyth. Um so going to be down there with, with the film doing a Q&A and stuff. Then we go to Bristol to um, the Cube Cinema, I think that's on the 20th of November. Then we're playing the Derby Quad on the uh, 24th of November. So that's the next kind of UK leg of stuff which is kicking off. So if people are in any of those places, get a ticket, come along, come and see it on the cinema. Cliff, um, Cliff Twemlow is uh,
0: still still travelling the world. Yeah, I absolutely. I like yeah. I don't think there may
2: be more festivals that are coming up um, early next year, but the plan is with Severin, um, Mark Morris is working on um, mastering all of the materials they're just getting the final rights and bits and bobs together. It's going to be released as a Severin is going to be doing a special set um, next year. Um, and that probably is going to be first or second quarter of next year. Okay. Don't hold me to that. But if you look at my Facebook or Instagram feed or whatever, or go into Severin Films, announcements will come. But as soon we, they just need to get all the materials in one place and everything mastered up. So that's just taking a lot longer because a lot of stuff was shot on video and it's you know finding decent masters and sources is proving you know an exploratory task for for the young morris
0: <laughs> well cliff cliff you did a wonderful job with your life and all the, the exploits that you got up to jake you've done a wonderful job of putting this documentary together i was very happy to see it and it's oh, always a pleasure get you know Having a chat with yourself as well. We shall have to do it again at some
2: point and Absolutely. Well, cover a no, whole bunch of do, stuff. If you, to, if you want to do a longer chat at some point, let's do it. Just I do it. I do. And let's hope to see you again soon. No problem. Thank
0: you very much to Deb for setting this up as well. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Cheerio. Take care, Jake. Bye bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with myself and Jake West. Like I'd mentioned, I always enjoy having a catch up with Jake. Great guy. Uh, while you were listening to that, I did dig through the archives. There's a lot of archives of the From Page to Screen movie podcast and I did find the conversation that I'd mentioned at the beginning of this episode featuring myself, Mark Morris and Jake West. So I'm going to include that now for you. The only edits I've done was a very, very brief intro. Which mentions the fact that this episode or that episode was part of the From page to Screen horror podcast. That podcast does not exist anymore, nor does the British movie podcast. They were all rolled into this one feed that you now listen to. It's always nice when you go back to the archives and dig out an episode that has possibly been lost. I do believe that was one of the ones that was lost. Uh, there are currently 250 from page to screen episodes that are not online. Uh, this was due to a server farm issue or whatever by my hosting site way back when. Uh, so it is nice to be able to dig one out. But uh, I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed having it. I'm going to enjoy re-listening to a extremely green around the gills, my, you know, me, as I uh, venture into my first ever press junket. But uh, spoiler, it went wonderfully well. Enjoy. The date was Monday the 7th of July. I got up about 8 o'clock in the morning, got ready and jumped on a train about half nine-ish. A little bit later than that, I actually got on the bus at half nine and uh, jumped on a train at 10 to 12. Took the just short of an hour trip to London and navigated some of the streets of London down to, the, uh, to Charing Cross. I was stood outside for maybe 20 minutes on the Palace Theatre, which is showing the commitments. And across the road was a nice little restaurant. I would try and pronounce what its name is, but I'd probably kill it and make myself sound like a bit of a mug. Um, In there, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, three people. I met Mark Morris, and I met Jake West, and I also met the guy who set up the interview, uh, Greg. So thank you, firstly, to Greg for setting that up anyway. It was good to actually meet Greg. I've swapped so many emails. Greg keeps me updated with lots of press releases connected with fright fest, connected with nucleus films, and connect, connected with like the horror channel and stuff like that. As a PR guy, I want to be Greg. I do. Uh, so then I can set things up for other people, other than me attending. In there, I sat down for it was meant to be about twenty minutes. Now, looking at the recorded interview, I overran, just like the guy before me overran. Um, I ended up coming out with about half an hour's worth of of audio footage. Initially, I was going to go down and video it. But two days before that, my video camera died. So I thought, I know, I'll just take that a Kindle Fire, set that up and record. It kind of looked like it was recording, uh, but it didn't. So I do in fact have the audio. I always believe in a backup plan. I do have the audio and that's what you're about to hear. You'll hear the clinking of glasses a little bit. That's because we were in a restaurant uh, and a bar. But the audio is pretty, pretty clear. And I was there to talk to Jake and Mark They are the powers that be behind the new documentary, uh, Video Nasty's Draconian Days, the second in the Video Nasty's series. Now, if you head over to Nucleus Films, you can actually purchase a signed DVD, a signed copy of that DVD. That's probably the one I'm going to go after. Um, If, for any reason, those signed copies have all gone, obviously they are somewhat limited. If they've all gone, you can still purchase the DVD from Nucleus Films, You'll also find it on places like Amazon, but uh, to get a signed one is amazing. Jake West also directed the film Doghouse, Evil Aliens, and weirdly enough, I actually watched his first ever feature-length film many, many years ago, I think it's like 1998, called Razorblade Smile, which I actually picked up many, many years ago. Um, I would never have guessed that years and years later, I would be sitting down chatting with the director of that film. So a huge thanks to Jake West and Mark Morris. I'm loving what they do. I love the fact that they are so passionate about not just horror films, not just censorship, but films in general. As you can hear, the conversation flows perfectly, and it's as if we knew each other for ages. Yet yeah, that was actually the first time we've, uh, we've sat down and spoke to each other. So without that, um, I am going to commence the show, cue some theme music, and enjoy the conversation with Jake West and Mark Morris. Draconian Days is actually out on release on July the 14th. I was trying to think which day of the week that was, but duh, it's a Monday. So on with the show. Hello listeners, this is Scream Queen Brooke Lewis, and I am a huge fan of From Page to Scream. <laughs> What kind of people are we dealing with here, darling? They're coming to get you, Barbara. I want to go down the street from Mackenzie's house. I want you to tell them to call the police and tell them to send
1: them over here. Now, do you understand me? Go do as I say.
0: Have fun scraping all their brains up off the road. <laughs> How's this for? I'm Stuart, by the way. We're friends Jake. on Facebook. Are you Stuart? Baden-Bain? I am <laughs> Stuart. Baden-Bain. hey Good to meet you, Stuart. mate. I well, know you've been
2: very. Uh, you've said some really great yeah. things. I really like your review. I so. will keep doing as well. Thank you very much. Hopefully, yeah. will that work? I see you well, are well. a fa- you are a fan. I believe it's in. I am.
0: Um, I am. I wouldn't say I'm a die-hard horror fan, hmm. but I'm a die-hard movie fan. Excellent. Um, that is recording as well, so I may just keep. Uh, there we go. sure Yeah. This will just run alongside decide. it. So and I was explaining to uh, to Greg that. I was born in '71. Okay, yep. I was born in '69. So don't ask me when I was born. I was in the so. well, yeah. we '60s as well. There you go, yes. A few um, years before us. Yeah. <laughs> so we all remember going through it all. Yeah. Um, I sat and watched draconian days a couple of weeks ago, along with my partner, who had never lived through the video nasty sort of era. I had from my point of view it was an awesome trip down memory lane because
2: for her it was from like her a point a point of view, it was like an educational yeah, thing was she like my god did that really happen she was she kept looking at me going really yeah, it seems, like because it seems like it's a joke when you didn't live through it because it, that's what's important about younger people knowing about this I think yeah. I mean what's the feedback from people that didn't live through it I've, I've, a lot of people oh, say f- oh yeah I mean the feedback from people who are the younger viewers have been like I say, there's a lot of people who are, have been doing university degrees and stuff, and they've been citing it in their work. The first, the first documentary, yeah. so I've had quite a lot of feedback from. We get quite a lot of requests from yeah, the lots of the units, people leaving me all the time and saying, "Can you answer this yeah. question?" or "Thank you for producing this. Yeah. It's really helped yeah. me with so, my project." Yeah, so from that point of view, there's been a huge, like, kind of positive upswing of people discovering this period of history, which has been kind of. Papered over a little bit, maybe, by the yeah. mainstream media. So, certainly, it's brought to light, hopefully, with the younger generation who didn't mm. live for it, that this is something that they should know about. So, you become like, I don't know, unofficial or official <laughs> historians of Yeah, yeah. Well, it, seems, it seems sort of yeah. unofficial, but, but something like Martin Barker from the first one has become a bit of a cult hero amongst, uh, yeah. and quite rightly so, because he stood up for it at a time when it was, you were shot down by the media for even talking about this stuff. Mm. Yeah. Because you were, I mean, horror fans generally. It's touched upon in the documentaries as well, where if you go, I really love horror movies, people go... Do yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, back, so well back, in the, back in those days when this was happening, if you were a horror fan, then people just thought you were weird. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like a, and you didn't have a voice beyond that, because you didn't have social media, you didn't have the ability to actually put your view out. Oh, yeah. unless, you, unless you were a journalist or a broadcaster, really, you had the, you had the run of what the media would report. And I think in the past that's why these moral panics kicked off so easily, because of course they would be outraged by these things, and then they would just do a hatchet job on, you know, horror horror filmmakers. The people that watch them, etc., were branded as weirdos. So, what was the first trigger? You know, for the first documentary, what made you guys think users, this, this yes, is yes, something? What, what was the well, thing what that, that actually happened? Had... Um, we'd done grindhouse Trader classics, and we we're looking for another release. So we thought, how oh, about video nasty trailers? It was like great. Oh, we'll have to do some extras. So what we actually did, we asked. Blue Underground. If we could license their video and ask these things, banner the this video's the David Gregory. But they said they were tied up Bank Anchor Bay, so no. So we thought, either oh, it, we'll just do our own one. Then we didn't yeah. realise how much, you know, how, <laughs> how much work it would be. We yeah. just started work on our first one. It was only just going to be a limit, do the extra. But then, Frankfurt said, oh, we'd love to show it. Yeah. Well, so we, right. we originally were making it as an extra for the set, and then, yeah. but then we got kind of carried away, and then, it? then it went became, on and it got became, got more became, and more. The, and it became sort of yeah, massively. Yeah. And then we got you know, Grant Bright involved and all sorts of other people, you know, and it just kept on. To begin, to begin with, I thought hasn't you know people probably know this story, but as we got more and more into it, we 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 found more and more out, and then when we got to Martin Barker and he told us the story about the corruption, it's like they, when I it called was like, him, it was like, just really amazing yeah. because it was like he'd been wanting to tell that story for like nearly thirty years. It was all bottled up inside yeah. him, but he sat down, yeah. didn't he? And he said, he said, I've got I something. Say- i, re- I wanted. He said yeah. before we started, I want to get some stuff off my chest yeah. today and he put all of his cutting and when he told his stories we were just absolutely we're like, like wow all of a sudden we thought this film is going to be a lot better than we thought yeah. Yeah. TV series." <laughs> yeah. and he was so good on camera yeah. and he was just so passionate but it and also was so so upset about the way yeah. his family was treated at that time he was but also those, by the press. also those facts that the, 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 yeah. it was corrupt though, yeah. And, yeah. and the yeah. data had been actually falsified yeah. Yeah. and he was on camera saying that this is a slant that this is true this happened for us, it was like you know, wow, this is a major revelation. This it? is what makes <laughs> you realise, though, you because re- because we were so much into the whole video nasties at the time, and you re- you saw what was being printed in the paper, yeah, and they knew they it was absolute they bollocks. So then only thought, well, hang on a minute, if they're talking bollocks about this, so what, what, what other else stuff do, do they print? Yeah. is yeah. absolute oh, random bollocks, most, most of it. Yeah. And it just makes you realise you can't believe what you
0: read in yeah. the press. As I as mean, as a, as a film fan. I saw all the news stories and I thought, they're idiots, they're wrong. But even I didn't look and think they've got some sort of agenda behind other than obviously
2: get rid of every film that isn't a PG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I awesome. think, yeah, I mean, I think I learned to because of that. Uh, I learned to distrust the press, mainstream media, quite early, earlier on. You know, because yeah. by the by the mid nineties, I wasn't interested in what the newspapers or the yeah. news had to say about any of these things mm. because it always felt that it was it was completely overreactionary. Yeah, because the whole thing with the video analysis as well. That when you when you heard what the news the news was saying about it and then you actually watched the films it's like yeah. hold on it's <laughs> not what the news knows it's a fairly a, bland horror film no, it just about. goes through well, the a really beautiful fun. one you know not like a so look at this depravity and you're looking at the titles and it's just ridiculous movies and I was like <laughs> yeah. 15 or 18, 18 <laughs> movies there's yeah. nothing depraved yeah. there. but, but of course it was the titles that always, <laughs> it always sounded like House of and it's the old
0: Mary Whitehouse thing where she doesn't watch the film she just thinks <laughs> they must be right because they told me that so they'll yeah. jump on that bandwagon uh, uh, so she probably would have been offended she hadn't seen anything anyway there's that
2: hilarious news report in the, in the second documentary where the, the, news, the newscaster says um, these are some of the worst video nasties like known and it cuts to some labels and it is yeah. the, it's the blood-spattered bride and the house of Whipcord and, so, and you think these are the nastiest films and it's just so funny they don't know what they are you yeah, know. of course the people reading these things have got no idea what these then you've got are you've got all those, detect- and, uh, all those police <laughs> captains saying what's the of people would deserve you know, <laughs> grati. You know what? what grat- get, uh, How are you going to derive entertainment pleasure from watching this northern, film?
0: northern working
2: class people yeah, But you, then you know all those same people—the people probably tied up in these bloody pedo scandals—going Yeah, going exactly. on yeah I mean, they're, they're all coming yeah. out. Now, well, what's I really think. what's really fascinating about this—the whole kind of the, the, the kind of pedophile Jimmy Savile stash politicians—is mm. that it's always people in positions of authority and power. They're the ones who actually are the ones bending the rules, getting away with things. The normal normal people are just getting on with their lives enjoying stuff but it's these people who are have a sense of power over people I don't know if your things to recording this yet. yeah it should be yeah. just, just um, but you know what I mean so it's it's always people in positions of power that abuse it whereas mo- most people are fairly decent you know they're decent people just getting on with their lives and they're just fans of things I
0: mean do you think that the draconian days are over. I think I know what the answer yeah. is because Greg was mentioning something before. So, but do you think those days well, well, are well, easier I, nowadays, or
2: I, I, th- I th- think things yeah. have got better, but there's always things still, that we need to look out for. Still, the censorship going on. <laughs> there's videos, the films yeah. are still cut. There's no. cinema, cinema, and yeah. home videos. It's, it's not as happens. extreme now because the thing is, is, is that because with the internet, you can certainly see any of the films that you want to see now. That's not actually a problem getting hold of the material. Mm. I think it's more how how things are going to be regulated in the future it's more the fact that we can learn from the past that that you know there is there is a growing sense of censorship on the internet control by the government things like this which are building slowly it's like in the block People yeah. watching what you're looking Cookies, at, yeah. you know, like even our even our nuclear film site yeah. has been blocked Blocks by certain filters. certain, certain oh, Google yeah. filters and stuff. Yeah, Just got because 18 we 18 rated content, yeah. movies on it. So yeah. if you sell 18 mm. rated content as a oh. which are BBFC yeah. um, rated films that we sell because they have to be BBFC rated, but we even though our our stuff is blocked on on search engine filters, it's have trying to get out our shopping material. system our shopping cart set we got, to buy we got 100 100 refused people. because we have 18 rated movies and I'm like this is ridiculous said, oh yeah but it's porn I said it's not porn yeah. this is 18 you rated movies you can probably buy that on Amazon yeah, I said yes, you can buy I even yeah. got turned down by Amazon shop. Amazon shopping cart to use. I said well why can't we sell our movies oh because they're 18 I said yeah but Amazon sells our movies and they're, but also they're it's B-BFC just BBFC double standards, standards. Yeah. Yeah. it's almost yeah. like that there is a problem with adult material now being available for adults Mm -hmm. and I think that's something which we should be concerned about I think also I mean my previous
0: job to to this one so to speak was in uh, retail so I worked in the music and video desk for a couple of years and there was a massive probably still is a massive problem of parents coming up video games are worse movies yeah. not so much but yeah. just well video polited, games have their
2: own scare as well Duty Duty for six year olds in yeah. war for five I see it all the, the time in shops shop. yeah I to see it all you know, the time what do you want to the kid oh I'll have that that let's get them whatever they want but that's I mean in video stores I used to refuse them yeah. because it was my own video store and I could do that And so yeah. what if they couldn't complain to anybody other than me but but, but the thing is is when things have got out clear kind of age right, right. ratings on the box video games have as well now mm. um it's up to the. I mean, if the, pa- the if the parent isn't aware of that, then that's just the, the fault of the parent. I mean, it's not going to destroy society. In the States, though, no. kids can game with their parents or yeah. guardians yeah. to see R-rated movies. Yeah. But to be honest, I mean, if a 12-year-old plays a 15 or 18-rated game, I don't think society's going to crumble, personally. No. I've, I, you know, I, I'm not. I think like Martin Barker says yeah, in the film age ratings just are all you want to watch the higher ratings yeah of course so any <laughs> kid who's 12 wants to watch a 15 any kid is, you know it's like it's, they're putting cigarettes yeah. behind the seat outside, yeah. right? oh, well, they, want yeah. they can't yeah. have the or bottom line of the bottom line is, are. is, is, is are, are the, are, at what point are certain children emotionally able to cope with certain things some people are, some people grow up faster and you know we were sneaking into rating films when we were 15 <laughs> I mean my <laughs> partner's daughter she's 21 who's <laughs> yeah. the daughter not my partner and she can't watch it. It's a, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Away. And there's yeah, yeah they, I know. Exactly. Well, that are, that that's, a, that's a really good point because yeah. actually there are there are some people, people just who can't. just basically don't like. A, look, if you don't like the horror genre, there's don't no re- there's yeah. no way you're going to like watching martyrs, for example. <laughs> not, yeah. And if anyone it. and if anyone forces that onto you, then that would probably be terrifying for you yeah. because it's too. Mu- I mean, that that kind of horror would be too much if you're not. If you're not somebody who likes horror films. Mm. But on the whole, you know, it's you, it's you, you, you as a viewer can choose not to watch a thing without ra- railing against it for it to be banned, as far as I'm concerned. Does it get more trickier with the invention of, the invention of Netflix?
0: Because kids can generally. Scrolled. I think that, well,
2: part. I think any any anything now where things are easy to get. I mean, kids are better at computers <laughs> well, than their parents. Phones, iPads, <laughs> anyway. whatever they want, can not they? They can go to yeah. YouTube and watch it. Yeah, There's no ratings fa- on there, are they? <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, a kid is going to have more control over the computer than their parents generally, because they under- kids understand how computers you work. Look, she made it in America on YouTube now. <laughs> or last house on Denen Street. It's all on YouTube. Someone illegally. People uploaded it without any rights, but it's on there. And you try and be the rights owner and get stuff removed. It's really difficult. But a couple of them uploading out documentary. Right. But I mean, I don't know what the thing is, is. Is the answer to censor everything and not have it available? I mean, just I think because it's educate it's, the parents. I think yeah. it's probably the best thing. Yeah. But I think, it, yeah, but I think on the whole, there are a lot of parents who do care about what mm. their children see. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not. I don't think it's a a massive problem in society. Yeah, I think I think it
0: was, was it Christopher Smith. I think on the yeah. documentary said, "I make films for the masses. Yeah. That's right, not yeah. for the not small for the small percentage of
2: that that are crazy. That's one of the best yes. lines in there. Exactly, but also all of those lunatics as well have their, have have problems. It's not the films that give them the problems; that the problems come from normally abusive upbringings from parents or, or they've been in foster homes or whatever. But I think that their problems are very deep-rooted psychological issues, which. That it's not like one day they're fine the next day they watch a film and they mm-hmm. go and right, kill, somebody. kill somebody I mean I always, sure. whenever anybody says horror films corrupt somebody or <laughs> porn corrupt somebody, I here right you tell me what DVDs or films Hitler watched yeah, yeah. what did he watch? I think the, yeah. idea that yeah. vi- um, the, the idea that violence is caused by art is, is, is the wrong way of looking at the world you know, if you look at any war zone and all the atrocities that get created that? if you arm people and give them guns and you give them power over people Terrible things will happen as a consequence of one person saying, "Right, I can now force you to do something." Mm. Power is is the thing that corrupts people, I think, more than anything else. It's real life, yeah. isn't it right? real life, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Something shocks yeah, but, look, but look at any, look at any war zone where there's war atrocities committed. It's always because somebody has the ability to make somebody else do something. That's always what's terrifying. Films reflect that to some degree, you mm. know, and obviously any transgressive film is going to make you feel uncomfortable watching it because it is not going to be comfortable to watch that subject matter. But I think you as a viewer, it's your choice to, if you want to watch that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, And of course, there are disturbed people who are going to commit terrible acts who would also have watched those kind of films. But they're going to but, do it. Anyway. But I don't think that the that their personality had been shaped by movies I'd be surprised if that was the case and I don't think there's any empirical evidence of that ever being the case and mm-hmm. I think what, what we were doing showing in, the, in the video in days, is when you have crimes like Charles play being responsible for the Bolger killings and mm-hmm. Rambo being responsible for Michael Ryan that's just not that's just not true and f- the media use it, trying to use that and pretend that that is the case. I mean, I there's something very wrong with that. I know? was working in the video
0: stores and system around the, the child's play three times. And I remember I was on, sh- on uh, shift that day. My boss phoned me up. He said, Right, I want you to do, do me a favour. I'm like, What? He said, You need to go around, you need to take copies of child's play off.
2: Why? Right, why? But, so, but he's only responding to what the press, yeah. the media is pan- telling. He was, yeah, cool. though he but, was but that's panicky. what the media do, though. He mm. may, so he's responding legitimately in his view, like my business will be affected if I don't seem to be. Mm. But you're absolutely I lived I I I a bit but at that time everyone was hire it after yeah, that yeah, but the truth is that uh, that's that click we've Gauls a queue to hire two key things but that's continued pressure, goals, I mean, no, but that's continued <laughs> pressure by the media yeah. saying even though this is an 18 rated certificated movie you're not allowed to have it in your shop basically and the, and this whole video burning idea which is like a Nazi philosophy isn't it we don't like it so burn it burning the other old box Yeah. but I have absolute sympathy with your view and I've read what you You'd written as well, and then later yeah, yeah. on, years later, yeah. you you had got you found the boxes and you put them back out, back out the, which and I applaud you for that because it was a full it's, box. it's a very small thing, but it's important that you were aware that you didn't feel that that was right. Yeah, not because. At the end of the day, the, the truth is, is that that film didn't cause that. No. It, it you was, know the it, Basically, it, 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 it was the media. The, the, yeah, the, the media, the the media, no, the media was forcing people into that situation. So your boss... I have some fear of your boss as well, because mm-hmm. it, in the in the end, he's thinking, oh, my God, if, if this film was... Really, he was probably misled by the media. Yeah. and He yeah. didn't, he didn't look into yeah. it enough. And the fact, if you don't question things, then you, you end up in this situation of blindly just... But, Yep. burning shit or, or taking up off the shelves and boxing it up. and then Mark as you said loads of people in the days after all the child's play said, have you got
0: that, yeah. oh, that child's play no we haven't got it why not and I, it pained me to say because it's been removed from the shop I I mean, it wasn't banned though no. it was
2: just get yeah. taken no, off but I that ban yeah. the, the, the newspapers banned it effectively Even yeah. the, it wasn't legally banned but the, the newspapers Campaigned. They yep. even, there's even that great cutting where it says banned. On yeah. the, on it was never banned, you know. I mean, yeah. loads of shops kept it on the shelf. Yeah. No, really but in, in, it, in a sense, what is a ban? If, if people do mm. respond to, to tabloids and, and act accordingly to what they're told to do by them, everything that they say, banned. People then go yeah. and watch it. That's why I started collecting all the video narcissists so have banned. You know? yeah. there's, there's so many films. It I has the opposite watch. effect because. I'd read on a list somewhere that you're not yeah. allowed to watch them, so alright, I'll get that one. But as you can see from the, the numerous Chucky sequels, it certainly hasn't stopped the Chucky no. films being made. No. at, no. at no. all. I'm not made a press focused on the you know the story the lives of the people who made it like sick filmmaker. Well no, but this millionaire is millionaire filmmaker. So, but, but isn't but you can see how terrible the press are. But mm. if you imagine, not only once again, not only do you have a film which is being accused of of causing a child murder, which is terrible, but then the f- they're actually then doing pieces about the filmmakers like the producers the director and doing hatchet jobs on them mm. saying how they who, there's one article in there if you look at the different ones where he says uh, sick Mr Kirschner yeah, or something yeah. and it's all kind of like well hold on it's like this bloke produced this film it was a legitimate release it was a cinema release as well it went around the world it's only in the UK this happened and actually those there's no proof that those kids even watched the film, no. so for you to then do a hatchet job of, like that's irresponsible. Ah. Isn't that irresponsible journalism to try and destroy something? To try and destroy yeah. something, I should have just go away. Imagine, imagine, they imagine they that was somebody we knew, or even us. Yeah. But the press can just get away yeah. with that kind of they can get away with without having any proof. They can try and destroy your career. This is what Julian Petty said the other night after the screening. He said, You know, it's funny how the press always want. The other me other sort of ty- types of media, to clamp down and regulate themselves, but when it comes to the press, oh yeah, they, that, they, go, they don't want to know. Of and course, yeah, or, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. They, they, the fact that they can get away with it is fine. That's just another double standard. Yeah. Once again, you're in a position of power, power. Then, yeah. when, you're, when you're in a position of power, and, you, and the group of people that refuse to, do, we tried to get hold of, of some of the journalists from the Daily Mail. Yeah. Yeah. And but we couldn't, couldn't trap them I down track them down. names are made up I'm yeah. sure more than yeah. like have really yeah. gone into witness yeah. protection yeah. Yeah. well no the thing is so those journalists will never come forward when do you ever see any of these journalists getting asked these uncomfortable questions do you know what tabloid journalists should be visible and when they say these views they should be you know actually that held accountable for some of their their views, especially if they're tarnishing other people's reputations? I think. I think in some group.
0: newspapers you'll see their email address, but I've, I've never yeah.
2: emailed one. Well, yeah. yeah. certainly back. back in those well days, certainly, certainly that, or, that you know you burn your contact your video and for your children. You couldn't no. get up, you couldn't get anyone. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: What's your personal? I mean, each of you. What's your personal favourite story from? The Draconian days. I mean, mine is the child's play. I oh, don't really want to pull those films off the shelf and then putting them back on many years later type thing. Have you got like a? What do you mean, a personal?
2: Like, Just an own
0: personal where you look. Used at it you, I used
2: to hide them. I used to hide all my tapes. <laughs> yeah, because I'd always be scared that there was going to be a knock on the door because I was busy trading actively back then with people and I'd go to you know go abroad and stuff. My favourite story, I suppose, was the fact that I used to go around to my local video shops and the hire stuff that I knew was cut and tape over them. You know, that's actually my favourite story when I heard yeah. it. That's why. I <laughs> It's Mark told me and said, oh, "We used to do, we used to do this." And uh, we used uh, to do it as a joke. Yeah, that's, because, brilliant, that's brilliant. For yeah. this, me and a friend, you know, we just like hire stuff out and you'd get free hires every now and then. And we just hire stuff we knew was butchered and we take over it. And we just thought, "What if anyone even notices?" I don't know if they do. You know, it's just so, you know, but, but somebody would, have somebody said, might, have somebody would yeah. yeah. somebody tell a friend, and then yeah. next thing that video yeah. show would make a fortune. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah. well, next thing they would watch it again and go, "Hold on." Well, I a a worried thinking, you know, the shop. Getting a complaint or somewhere yeah. along this line of rentals someone's taken over it with the uncut version. Who could it have been? Yeah. It could, be yeah. <laughs> it could be anybody. Could be. I think. Talking. I think the great thing about Draconia days as well is is that there's so many great stories in there. Like all of the people. Like I loved like all of the smuggling stories that went on back at the time because everyone would go to Amsterdam, but. Everyone had this feeling of all of a sudden this real kind of moment when they were being customs, I which he tried to recreate in the documentary. That feeling feeling kind of sweaty like and all you know, expressed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> one time a bag full of like horror, horrors, and porn, and I was walking through a trying of acts, really. Inc- <laughs> Inconspicuous, and like I had this like steel cap on my heel, and I just slipped, and went arse over a tear, <laughs> right in front of all the customs of the <laughs> <laughs> probably is like, well done, Mark. But they said laughter. We got up and the walked. They thought, oh, they probably can't have anything. But when I was a teenager, when I lived at home, and I used to order these tapes, so I'd have them on my shelf, and yeah, my, my, my fortunately, my parents were very liberal, so I didn't have a problem with my parents. But it was still like you had this sort of slightly a couple of tapes on your shelf were a bit kind of radioactive because you think I'm not supposed to have these it's it just that you, you did get a buzz from the feeling of things being forbidden and mm. I think once again Christmas says that thing at the end is like in a sense yeah. watching video nurses back in the days when they were illegal did give us a kind of buzz and a, a frill which you can't recreate that for people who now the fact that kids can get hold of anything now then they're not banned it's in not the way the same they're not going to go to prison you? so you're not going to go to prison now or get your your the police coming round for your video and I'll steal kitchen. your torrent yeah so back, back in those days I think that there was a, a real sense of you were doing something wrong but that did give it that, that feeling of excitement but mm-hmm. then again this is why the whole like I say the underground horror kind of mm-hmm. scene the whole fan crew with the, you know there's all these friendships which were made because of that and all of the people writing books or making films is that footage of yeah, exactly. us uh, you know. yeah. which is hilarious was back like like in the 90s back in 93 but just, just stuff you didn't realise at the time that it was going to have an impact on your life later on like mm-hmm. in the sense all the things we do now have often been shaped by by our love of those movies <laughs> yes. my of I do what yeah. I do now yeah. because of yeah. progress from so in a kind of perverse way there is also there's a, a weird thing where I'm kind of thankful that it happened because it shapes us yeah. but, but obviously I would not choose what's happened I would choose bring it on again I'm <laughs> <We're> pretty <laughs> yeah, sure what been choice, doing, I say what no. I would doing now if it wasn't for the whole video nasty scare because I would yeah. have got into collecting the movies I'm yeah. sure yeah, but, but think of like, all think of all the people we know I though. Know, we all know them through collecting and trading and, and sort of stuff. Yeah, weird, but people said you know, but like the, the fright fest guys, yeah. you know, because they, you know, we knew Paul McWebbs of the cinema store, and I used to know him. He <laughs> was selling stuff on a stall at fairs before even the shops, yeah. you know. So, so all of the people, yeah, and all the different writers that we know and yeah. filmmakers, it all come from the same kind of. We all were born in the the kind of the fire thing. of the video artists, which was an interesting time just because we grew up in that period it wasn't interesting yeah you know and in the sense with the documentaries we there is a obviously there is some kind of nostalgic element to that as well and if you're Mm. a certain age you're going to get a a sense of nostalgia from it but we didn't want the nostalgia to overshadow the importance of of what happened in terms of things that you have to be Careful about if they do start happening again, if new things start getting banned. Mm. So there was an important message, and we didn't want that just to have rose tinted glass, glasses on where it became, oh, do you remember when video boxes of this size and all this kind of stuff? I mean, so that,
0: it works perfectly on both levels. Like I say, my partner wasn't aware of half of it. She really, really enjoyed yeah. the documentary. I was aware of the majority of it. I really, really enjoyed the documentary. Um, the co-host on my horror podcast, I was Fantastic. talking to him last night, and uh, he's, he's got a quick question for you as well. Oh, he cool really, he really, really enjoyed it. Oh, well, he written written it then, pres- yeah. Some of it. He basically says, uh, "Can you do Evil Aliens 2? or, <laughs> or, or Doghouse Um Because. He's not a massive Danny Dyer fan. I am, but he's not. He said that is his favourite Danny Dyer oh, film ever. So he wants oh, to do Doghouse people
2: again. Well, we did have a, we did have some ideas for a Doghouse here. It, it was called Cat House. It was going to be nice. the, it was, was going to be the opposite. It was going to be the the virus mutates and then then it's the men that get affected and the women have to fight. So nice. that was that was the plan. But. You know, I, I don't think that anyone. I don't think the film the film did okay, but I don't think it made enough money for anyone to want to want to do a sequel. Unfortunately, For so, But if somebody wants to finance it, well, there really is got, an idea. I'll put, I'll put some tweets out. <laughs> 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 anybody want to watch it? Yeah, so, I know somebody's gonna yeah, evil even, even aliens thing. too. I mean, I think, once again, at the time, I pretty thought it would be fun, but I, don't, I think now that, to, I, I I think when I did that film that was my kind of love letter to splatter movies yeah. and I, I made that when I was kind of a bit younger so to do that kind of fil- to go back and do that kind of film now is, is to get yourself into a mindset that is kind of almost I need to be a younger filmmaker to do that to be that irresponsible <laughs> just make it get it burned yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, that wasn't bad a it was great fun it was great I mean I have made that film because I loved all those kind of films it's yeah. kind of like you know it's, it's done with real love mm. but I don't know if I could do a second one because it would be reheating the same love do you know what I mean yeah but um but it's great that people want sequels, it's always very yeah. flattering but, <laughs> And then you're like, I want to do something original. Yeah, well the thing, that's the thing, as a filmmaker you always think, oh, but you know, someone like with Doghouse House* could work, because it, had, it was the opposite idea, because originally we had to choose to go one way or the other with the whole viral infection thing, yeah. is it men or is it women So we, we could actually we, we thought, well if we did a sequel we could have our cake and eat it, because we could then, then show it from the opposite perspective, which would be quite a nice, kind of, like, sort of they would work quite well as two pieces then he will be very happy to uh, yeah one would her. be the male version one would be the female version so you'd get to explore the different sexual politics on for each gender group <laughs> and what are you working on at the minute for you guys uh, are you just, we'll, just tail, we'll tail ending we'll, off we'll, the draconian we'll yeah. I mean I've got I've, I've got some film projects which I'm trying to get off the ground, it's actually, mm. Spitfire is a film I'm trying to do next, which is actually a script from Dan Schainberg who wrote Doghouse, right, okay. but it's, it's actually more of a kind of crime caper thing than not a horror thing, so we'll see, we're just trying to get the money together. Mm-hmm. And I'm just doing another music video for um, Uncle Acid and the Dead Beats. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a few more plans of Black, Black Sabbath-y type sounding band, I don't know if you yeah. know. I did a video of them last year and they liked it, so I said, oh, can you do another one, so like, oh yeah, Runaway Girls... For, you know, but nucleus, we're coming together with a few more plans. Was yeah, trying we'll try to get things. some more films, to, yeah, stuff. and staff. So we would like to get some newer equipment and make our, our own indie movie. You know, yeah, not, so not yeah. another documentary. Well, um, oh, keep, yeah. keep me
0: updated, like press releases and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there are three podcasts. i
2: for, right, for two
0: websites and, and, yeah, and uh, brilliant. So what are so you? are so so doing a lot, so. a lot it, it seems. Mm. From mm. I
2: can see from your, your feed, you're an active, yeah. An active man. Yeah. I also saw you were saying you had done quite a lot. Your her list of things that you've done over the last couple of years. Yeah. So what? What is your where are you trying uh, to head towards then Stuart well
0: I originally started off I mean, way way back I started off with something else but I started off doing one uh, podcast no. which was what film did you watch last week was it any good oh that was alright next week I'm going to watch this then I realised I didn't watch that many British films so I thought I'll start up a British podcast and that snowballed where I met Dominic Burns through that oh Dominic's great whole whole yeah. stuff, uh, Oh, I just did and some that. second unit all allies.
2: Allies. Yeah. yeah, he's a lovely chap I've I'm seen him yeah. on Saturday yeah. 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 he's such a lovely man you have a British film's project in the works that we don't really want to talk about too much yet but we? we'll see we'll, we'll let you see know where it goes. Fine, we've got a few things which fans of the video narcissist are going to enjoy yeah. but they're they're all in an embryonic stage at the moment because because we're literally they're in big folders <laughs> on my hard drive yeah, because we literally just finished this project and as you know it's out on july 14th yeah. as well next, so next monday yeah. so Tosting. give people a shout out when it's oh definitely, yeah next yeah. monday is when they can buy it from you know, I posted a load for, out this morning yeah. before coming here. Yes. What I'm doing this week is, I mean, I recorded a
0: horror show last night, this one for today, mm. and I'm doing a whole series of shows this week to do Excellent. the video nasty type thing. Fantastic, so. fantastic. Um, fantastic. But yeah, I'll update, I'll chat with you yeah, in the welcome. future. Anyway, Stop, yeah, we'll, stuff, yeah. Yeah, we'll.
2: To protect society from the extremes of the video makers, new laws came into being.
1: The Video Recordings Act Came into effect on the 1st of September 1985. Now, this
0: was headed up by a very interesting person at the time. It was James
1: Furman. He set a standard for society which people appreciate. It's controversial, obviously. You would have horror movies that. <laughs> with gaping holes. We are the most conservative censorship body of any of the major Western countries. We are the only the country Merlin, David, in the Western world there, that has about this, this draconian censorship and it's a disgrace to this country and it should have been changed years ago.
2: I would like to talk about censorship at length later. Start tonight with the finger that points at videos like this. Did it and other video nasties play a part in the killing of little James Bulger?
0: The news hit headlines that a judge had blamed the video industry.
2: And of course it led to that very, very famous headline, burn your video nasty for the sake of children. That is probably why primarily the horror black market started, because the BBFC were just cutting so much.
1: It stimulated creativity and social networking. There
2: was this major network, and a lot of the information came from um, Fanzine press.
1: I think anyone that did a fanzine was saying, fuck you after the video nasties. There was a thing where it was very clandestine, you know? It was like getting hold of drugs or something. It's illegal, isn't it?
2: (laughs) You'd be sweating. You'd feel like a a drugs courier with a couple of horror films. It was crazy.
1: People were being arrested and being put into prison just for having a copy
2: of um, some dodgy video. I don't think you can really explain the shock when it really
1: happens. Some argue banning films has fostered the illicit trade. Others say the law is not working.
2: The back will come. The video nasties, all the violence and the filth in My very modest measure seeks to sort out those, like Child's Play 3, which contains graphic and gratuitous scenes which should not be available in anybody's home.
0: He
1: was genuinely of the view that unless you banned these things, then society would actually collapse. It was that apocalyptic. The government has proposed strict new laws to control the sale and rental of violent videos to protect children.
2: His proposed amendment to the Video Recordings Act would have effectively banned anything that was not suitable for children.
1: Well, this will have to be cut. The Director of Public Prosecutions decided that the only feasible way to deal with the video analyses was using the Obscene Publications Act. And he divided them up into a list of titles that he felt were so obscene that they would be the kind of titles a jury might find obscene in a court, Section 2 titles. But also he had another secondary list of titles where he was perhaps not confident that a jury would find against them. And so those titles he added to a second list of uh, so-called section three videos. But that would mean that that film always had this tarnished image and this sort of aura around it of being unacceptable. But that's where the beauty ends and the nightmare begins. They'll scare the living daylights out of you. You'll run from the theater in fright. It'll put you into deep shock. To avoid moral panic, keep repeating. They, they were, were only moves. They were, were only moves.